So please go ahead and open your Bibles, uh, turn them on, follow along on our screen, uh, use your outline or app. And if you don't have our Central Church app, I highly recommend downloading that. It not only is it a, just a resource about Central and learning about things about us, but it's also a great way for us to communicate with you. Um, and so just make sure your notifications are enabled for that. I think when most of us as adults, uh, and even those who are currently in middle school now, um, think about our time in middle school, one of our biggest desires is just to fit in, to be normal. Uh, and that was certainly true for me. Um, but for me, it was challenging to be normal for a few reasons. Number one was my red hair. And, well, it wasn't quite that red hair. Actually, it's probably close to what the hamburgers was. And so if you'll see the next picture, that's what it really looked like. Uh, and so on the left side is me in sixth grade. Um, seemed pretty happy and innocent there. Something happened in eighth grade when I had that picture on the right. So uh, I think that's when the teenager side of me kind of kicked in. But definitely had the red hair. Um, next for me was the fact that I grew about a foot in middle school. I was pretty tall. And so um, that's not exactly a good recipe for a middle schooler because, for one, um, my nose, my clothes never quite fit right, and um, I was about as uncoordinated as a baby deer on ice. And so that's two strikes against me. Number three, third strike was the fact that my parents, bless their hearts, didn't really see fashion as a priority for me in my life. And one thing that I really, really wanted was parachute pants. Okay, you look at those now and they look kind of goofy, but back in the 80s, those things were cool. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, I can look back and see that my parents probably didn't buy those for me because I probably would have outgrown them pretty quickly. Uh, so I'd never had a pair. Um, so as I desperately desired to be normal in life, the odds were stacked against me. And before I get too far, I just want to make a little disclaimer here that this message is inspired by a devotional plan from the YouVersion Bible app. And so not only is that app a great digital Bible, uh, but it has so many different devotional plans you can read through, and it's a variety of topics. So highly recommend downloading the YouVersion Bible app. So we ever stop to really think about what is normal? The earth is filled with billions of people who are unique and diverse. If you think about it, normal is just really a preferred place to exist, a default mode, if you will. But truthfully, it's not always healthy. In this message, I want to explore what the Bible has to say about this and show how we can go beyond normal living and make changes with the Spirit's help so that we can live better than normal. So again, what really is normal? The term normal usually refers to something that's typical or natural or something that most people do. Uh, and so with that in mind, I want to define normal as this. This is our first point in your outline. It says, behavior that is typical, expected, and adjusts to a standard that society has put in place. Normal is typical, expected, and adjusts to a standard that society has put in place. But like I said, with the amount of people living in this world... Is it even really possible to say something's normal? What may be normal in one culture may not make sense in another. For example, if you were to invite someone over for dinner some night, you'd probably expect them to show up on time or maybe even a little bit early. 
That's not the case in Tanzania. It's a country in Africa. They'd think that was rude. Your host would expect you to arrive at least 15 minutes late. Now, some cultures, and this is crazy, people aren't offended by ritualistic sacrifice. We're horrified by that idea, but for them, it's just part of a religious ceremony. But why? Because it's normal for them. Going back to the 11th century, it wasn't considered odd that people didn't use forks to eat. In fact, if they did, it was considered blasphemous. Then in the Middle Ages, nobody was upset that doctors didn't wash their hands or sterilize their instruments. In fact, they could be fined or jailed for doing that. And then even as recently as the 1950s, nobody thought anything of a pregnant woman smoking or drinking alcohol. Again, why? It's because it was normal in those cultures and eras of time. We adapt to and accept anything that we're regularly exposed to. And this is true for our kids as well. For us adults, we think about phones. When I was a kid, a phone was attached to a wall. Today, the phones are computers in your pocket. And so, but the thing is, kids don't know any different. That's just what they accept as normal. But what if normal hurts or injures or even kills? My first point here is normal is not always a measure of what is good healthy, or God-pleasing. Normal is not always a measure of what is good, healthy, and God-pleasing. It's simply what we've adapted to and have accepted because we're regularly exposed to it. And in some situations, our idea of normal gets hijacked, which causes us to panic and not know how to react. When are things getting back to normal, we might ask ourselves, when there's a challenging season in our life or tragedy strikes? Remember the pandemic shutdown three years ago? That's the question of the day then. When are things getting back to normal? This is so crazy. I can't get used to this. But eventually we get our feet steady and we say things like, well, I guess this is the new normal. And I'll ask this too. What really is so appealing about normal? For one thing, we usually know what to expect. We find comfort in it, even if it's not healthy or beneficial. But if you're like me, you really happen to love your comfort zone. You find a lot of peace there. But like I said earlier, comfort and health don't always equate, comfort and normality, I'm sorry, don't always equate to health. But what if we chose to live a life that was beyond our comfort zones? What if we chose to pursue a life that was better than normal? As followers of Jesus, we're called to live differently. The world, and frankly, every Lifetime movie ever made, tells us to follow our hearts. But the Bible states that our hearts are deceitful. Find this in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The world says we should strive to have the perfect body, but ultimately, godliness should be our goal. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And in 1 Timothy 4a, it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. The world tells us to put ourselves first. But the Bible tells us that living a life where we give to others is more rewarding and kind. 
Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Try to impress, don't try to impress others either. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. And humility and selflessness are two of the most challenging things we can attain in life. But if we do, that's a huge step towards being better than normal. So now that I've laid this foundation, let's talk about some topics here. My first topic is one of everybody's favorite, money. The world is full of things competing for our wallet's attention. Everything we see seems to just cry out, you need me, buy me. Material possessions can lure us in so strongly that we start buying things that aren't even on our financial radar. Personally, I know there's times when I've struggled with a pursuit of a subject or a possession, and it's become all-consuming for me. If I'm not careful, that obsession will drive me until all of my, with all my actions until I've really finally purchased that thing. Which, ironically enough, once you buy something like that, you realize it's not really quite as essential or special as you really thought it would be before you had it. So, for example, three years ago, I decided it was time to pursue a different car. I'd had my old Ford freestyle for about 12 years, but it was really starting to show its age. I wanted something better. So I started spending way too much time researching and shopping and just trying to find what that next great vehicle could be. And as it worked out, though, that freestyle's water pump and other mechanicals actually gave up the ghost about three or four months later. So I was ready. I knew which vehicle I wanted to get. I just had to find it the right mileage and the right price. So after a few weeks, I actually was able to find that vehicle. And so I went and bought this Ford Edge, and it served me really well. But in the end, it was just another vehicle for me. And on top of that, I still have almost three years left to pay in that thing. So needless to say, if we're not careful, we can get in a toxic relationship with money. And it won't, and it's something that we may not know how to get out of. Unfortunately, this is normal living for many people. The normal way of spending and managing our money leaves us in a bad place. For example, it's normal to spend every bit of our income and not have any emergency fund or any savings. It's also common to go deep into debt and maybe not even pay that off. Or it's normal to think, well, hey, as long as I can afford that payment, I'm good to go. And the Bible has a lot to say on the topic of money. In fact, it's one of the most talked about subjects in the entire book. A couple of things the Bible sells, or tells us is that it won't satisfy us. And that's from Ecclesiastes 5.10. And that when wealth is gained quickly, it'll dwindle quickly. And that's from Proverbs 13.11. And I want to take a little close at this with uh, Matthew 6, 19-21 and 24. This is where Jesus specifically teaches us about money. He says this, don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroy them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in to steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. That's worth repeating. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Let's skip it ahead verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So Jesus is challenging us here to acquire heavenly treasures because they will never end and they won't be destroyed. And when referring to heavenly treasures, it just really means treasuring Jesus and all that he stands for. So Jesus tells us our heart will follow where we've placed our treasure. His final and most powerful point was really pretty big. It was, we can't serve both God and be enslaved to money. Another verse I found that's really useful is in Hebrews 13.5. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And in a nutshell, this passage describes contentment. God will always provide for our needs when we put our trust in him. And notice I said needs, not wants. Can you learn to be content with what you have? Like I said, this is an issue for me. I've struggled with this. I have to work pretty hard to overcome my desire for material possessions that I may not even need. So we can keep doing what we see practice around us, what we see as normal, or we can make changes and live better than normal. Here's some differences between normal and better than normal when it comes to finances in our life. Normal focuses on accumulating, while better than normal gives to others. Normal allows money to lead, while better than normal seeks to be led by God. Normal keeps 100% of our income, while better than normal trusts God with 90%. Normal doesn't think ahead, while better than normal lives by a plan. Normal is enslaved by debt, while better than normal saves to pay in full. And normal thinks of today, while better than normal invests for the future. So, as I said, I'm not quite there yet with a lot of these things when it comes to my finances, but I'm working on trying to be better. And so, I want you to remember too, though, that money in itself is not a bad thing. It's really just a tool we can use. And some people may kind of misinterpret the Bible to think that the Bible says it's evil. It, it doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's from 1 Timothy 6.10. But when we allow money to be our God, it can wreak havoc in our lives. My next point is this. The money we earn should be something we use and not something that uses or controls us. The money we earn should be something we use, not something that uses or controls us. So I want us all to spend some time reflecting on our relationship with money and to see what needs to be changed with the Spirit's help so we can be better than normal with our finances. All right, next thing I want to talk about is work. And work is a good thing that God has given all of us. That's my next point here. Work is a good thing that God has given all of us. And we see this in Genesis 2.15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Because we see children work at school and do chores at home. Teenagers train in sports and maybe get their first jobs. Adults work at raising kids or serving others, working for or uh, running companies. Some of us go to work and some of us stay home. Some of us make money and some of us don't. Some of us love our work and some of us, unfortunately, do not. But no matter what we do or how we work, God has given us this gift to provide for our families 
and make a difference in the world. And while our work is a gift from God, sometimes we can develop an unhealthy relationship with it. Sometimes to the point where people overwork themselves to the point where they get burned out, which can cause issues with their family or with their health. Other people may struggle with underworking, which is either um, by choice or due to circumstances beyond their control. Working hard and resting well are both incredibly valuable, but we must ultimately find a better-than-normal mindset and work ethic when it comes to how do we work. So let's check some differences here between normal and better-than-normal when it comes to our fin- um, work life. So normal finds its identity in a job, while better than normal knows who we are in Christ. And just as a side, how often do we um, meet somebody and we may say something, hey, I'm John, what do you do for a living? You know, it's one of those things that's just become normal in our lives to identify who we are with our job. But unfortunately, when it comes to our jobs, um, we may not always have those. You know, either we'll resign from one one day, we'll retire from one day, or maybe someone's going to decide that for us. And so it's more important for us to strive to be better than normal by hitching our identity to Christ and how he sees us and how he values us. So next, normal chooses workaholism while better than normal sets healthy boundaries. Normal accepts exhaustion while better than normal values rest. Normal looks for ways to avoid difficult work, but better than normal perseveres. Normal sees what we do, but better than normal sees purpose in how we work. And sometimes normal does the bare minimum, while better than normal works with integrity. So many of these comparisons relate to a few things. One could be our desire to please others in order to advance our career. Another could just be sheer laziness, or the fact that maybe we have a fear of leaving our comfort zone. But regardless of how we work, the point is that we choose to work well at whatever we do. And really, the best way to do this is to simply see ourselves as working for Jesus. Colossians 3.23 kind of reinforces this. It says, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. So my next point is this. What would it look like if we approached every day as if we're working for Jesus? What would it look like for us if we approached every day as if we're working for Jesus? Yes, we should work hard and do our jobs well for our, in honor of our earthly employers. There's no doubt about that. But placing Jesus at the forefront of our mind when it comes to work will then honor him, and then as a byproduct, we'll honor our employers. So regarding our work life, in what ways do you feel healthy? What areas do you think you need to make some changes? Spend some time thinking about your work life and how you can strive to work in a way that's better than normal. Okay, next, let's talk about relationships. Relationships are an essential part of our life. Some of them may be healthy, while others, not so much. And at times, we may feel closer to the people that we're not related to, and we might be feeling distant from those in our own families. And within these relationships, we get to witness the good in the lives of the people we love in Sometimes we have to navigate the difficult parts, like hurt and betrayal and frustration, just to name a few. And the normal way many people respond to these things is to hold grudges, 
Seek revenge and show no mercy. And these are not good responses to those. So when someone does something that hurts us or offends us, we often see that as a personal attack. We assume that they meant to hurt us, and occasionally that's true. But when you think about it, we are just imperfect people who are being, well, imperfect. It's important that we don't assume that others intend ill will towards us. Sometimes other circumstances, stress, and other factors can impact how they relate to you. In addition to how people treat us, we need to take a hard look at how we personally handle relationships as well. This next point is, do we build people up with our words or do we tear them down? Do we build people up with our words or do we tear them down? Are we kinder to those who we think might be able to do something in return for us? Or do we treat everyone with honor and respect? If we've been insulted or gossiped about, do we seek revenge or do we forgive the offending party? That's my next point here is, forgiveness is really tough, but it's key to walking with Jesus. Forgiveness is really tough, but it's key to walking with Jesus. And we see in Ephesians 4.32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And I think something that we tend to maybe lose sight of is, is we will maybe hold grudges against other people or have a hard time forgiving them, but completely losing sight of the fact that God's forgiven us for all the bad things that we've done. And the Apostle Paul shares very specific instructions in the book of Romans about how we should be relating to others. And we find this in Romans 12, 9 through 8. It says this, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And we'll see exactly how that plays out as we read the rest of this passage. Hate what is wrong. And this is interesting because when you think about it, there are not a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about what God hates. So this is something that we really pay attention to. But he continues in verse 9. He says, Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And always be eager. I'm sorry. And when people, God's people are in need, let me back up here. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute. Don't, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be too proud to spend the company with ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone sees you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. There is just so much packed into that one passage. You know, what we should just do is just print that off, put it in our bathroom mirror, and see that every day and help serve as a reminder about how God wants us to relate to other people. So Paul says in this that we're called to love each other as brothers and sisters. Honor one another beyond how we'd be honor ourselves. Share with others who are in need. And possibly the hardest part, don't seek revenge when someone wounds us. Now, I'm privileged to be a part of our 712 youth group. And we actually have a theme verse there. It's Matthew 7, 12. Get it? 7, 1, 2. 
But it states this, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Does that sound familiar to you? You probably learned that as a kid, and it was known then as the golden rule. I just tell the students all the time, I say, you know, you would have so much less drama and conflict and everything else in your life if you just follow this simple passage, the golden rule. So that's my next point is, Treat others the way that you want to be treated. It's just that simple. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. When it comes to our relationships, let's check out some contrasting views about what's normal and what's better than normal. Normal abandons friendships when mistakes are made, but better than normal forgives. Normal allows insignificant issues to create frustration, but better than normal is patient. Normal gives into temptation, but better than normal understands that God will provide a way out. Normal argues when there are differences, but better than normal builds bridges. Normal looks out for self, but better than normal thinks of others. And normal makes jokes at others' expense, while better than normal speaks with respect. So whether we're struggling in our relationships or not, we know that normal isn't always a healthy place to be. But it's easy. That's typically the easiest place to be, though. So let's choose to be better than normal in our how we love and live with those around us. Do you have relationships in your life that aren't exactly healthy? Think about the people in your life and how you interact with them. Decide what is healthy and what needs to improve in your relationships to be honoring to God, to be better than normal. All right, last one. Let's talk about sinful behaviors. Sinful behaviors. And so whether we don't want to admit it or not, we all have bad habits or sinful behaviors. And some of those things are bigger than just bad habits, unfortunately. Those things that we do or say that we wish we didn't do or say. Some habits are difficult to break and some are incredibly challenging to overcome. And there is a big difference between a bad habit and a simple behavior. So when my son Everett was a baby, he uh, started sucking his thumb. And it was almost like he had some highly addictive substance in those thumbs. He just was so addicted to him, he couldn't stop. And we tried for a long time to help him overcome that. And he wanted to stop too. And this continued through his toddler years into his basically pre-kindergarten years. And at that point, it was really a big hindrance for him. But eventually we did find a fingernail coating called Avala Stop, which almost immediately helped him to quit cold turkey. We were so happy about that. But unfortunately, there's some circumstances and, and some consequences that came along with that that caused him to have um, his teeth were really in bad shape. And so it took many years of orthodontics to overcome that damage done by thumb sucking. And while some of us may struggle with things that are far worse than thumb sucking, this just helps illustrate how challenging it is to overcome these things sometimes. And I know we can chuggle at thumbs up sucking and say, oh, it's not a big deal. But there are many habits we have, and for example, gossip or lying or addictions that are types that can really become serious, sinful behaviors. And the problem is we sometimes can become kind of comfortable with these certain sins in our lives. And oftentimes we get to the mindset of they're just too difficult to overcome. So why is change so challenging in our life? 
Well, the Apostle Paul nails it on the head when he talks in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He says, so I say this, let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. Then you won't be doing things that the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, first of all, when I read this, it kind of reminds me of these old cartoons or animations that you'd see showing a character with the angel on one shoulder and then the devil on the other shoulder and the angels doing the best to, to help that person make the right decision, whereas the, the devil is just doing the exact opposite. And for, you know, you look at what Paul is telling us here. He wants us to live by the Spirit, following what it says. Because, you know, too often we tend to just navigate towards our sinful nature. And so that's what the opposite of what the Spirit wants. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. And we see those two things battling it out. And it's kind of the same thing as what we look at normal versus better than normal. Those two are at war as well. So let's go through some examples here. Normal conforms to the world. But better than normal renews the mind. Normal gratifies fleshly desires, but the better than normal walks by God's Spirit. Normal gives in to worry, but better than normal prays for strength and guidance. Normal allows evil to win, but better than normal submits to God. And normal ignores sin, but better than normal repents and seeks forgiveness. The bottom line about our simple behaviors is that if we focus on beating them by ourselves and our own power, it's going to be a big struggle. But if we strive to make our lives healthy by drawing close to Jesus, we can overcome those sinful nature or behaviors eventually. My next point is this. What we focus on is what will grow stronger in our lives. What we focus on is what will grow stronger in our lives. So if we're focusing on what Jesus wants for us or what the Spirit's asking us to do, will go stronger in those areas. And I found this quote, it's been attributed to a variety of different people, but I think it's really fitting for what this is trying to say here. It says this, if it's important, you'll find a way. Unfortunately, if it's not, you're going to make an excuse. If it's important, you'll find a way, but if it's not, you'll find an excuse. So instead of making excuses about our poor diet, our bad language, or any of our simple behaviors, let's find a way to grow from normal to better than normal. And the best way to do that is to continually renew our minds by thinking about things laid out in this verse in Philippians. It's Philippians 4.8. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You know, our actions will not change until our minds do. I don't know if you remember a few weeks back, but Pastor Ryan said that about repentance. He said, repentance isn't changing our actions, it's changing our minds. So what are some of these sinful behaviors that you might be struggling with? Are there actions you do or words that you say that might be considered normal but really aren't healthy or beneficial? If you aren't sure what needs to change, just pray. Ask God, what, what areas do I need to work in in my life? And with his Holy Spirit's help, you'll be able to work from being normal to better than normal when it comes to your sinful behavior. So let me wrap up with this. 
My quest for normality never really stopped. While my clothes finally caught up to my, um, my body and my hair eventually darkened, but then disappeared, um, being normal was always really important to me. I still care way too much about what other people think. That's a work in progress for me. Really embracing what Jesus thinks of me instead of what others do. But you know, I did eventually accept my red hair and my height and my fashion. And I ultimately really found peace and joy in being better than normal by having a relationship and following Jesus. Like I said earlier, normal is comfortable. It's easy. It comes naturally. But it's not always beneficial and healthy. And if you haven't figured this out by now, but this, this message was really meant more for me than anybody else here. But I, I think we can all really hope that we can look, evaluate the areas of our life of money, of work, of relationships, of sinful behaviors, and more, so we can all work towards becoming better than normal. Are we willing to slip out of our comfort zones and embrace the life Jesus has for us? While it won't be easy, Striving to be better than normal will definitely help us grow and become the person that Jesus has called us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time we could be here today. I thank you for giving me inspiration in these words and this wisdom. And I pray that you will help us to look to you first and foremost because you are the epitome of better than normal. Lord, you live the perfect life. You set the example for us. You were sinless. And Lord, we can look at everything you said and did in the scriptures as a way for us to be better in these areas of our life, to be better with our money, to be better with our work lives, to be better with our relationships and the sinful behaviors that we struggle with. Lord, we know if we hand them to you and trust you for those things, that you will help us find a better than normal approach to live those ways. Lord, I pray for anybody in 